Welcome to the Garden Culture Podcast, hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner, constantly seeking to bring the outdoors and the peace that I find there inside my own four walls. This podcast is a place where we let the garden inspire our lives, drawing us into the rhythms of nature and our seasons. Here we will walk through just what is happening in the garden and fields month by month, how we are tending to our own spaces, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at www.baileyvantassel.com slash podcast. Hello and nice to meet you. I am Bailey Van Tassel and I wanted to have a recording of square one so that you can get to know me, your host here a little bit better. Um, and yeah, just kind of hit the background on everything. I am a gardener living in Southern California. I'm married with two kids and in this very moment pregnant with one on the way. I garden in zone 10B and I have been doing that in this location for about five years. Actually, my entire foray into gardening began here in Southern California. Um, I'm completely self-taught. I'm always experimenting. My happy place is the garden. And I think it's really because it's where I feel the most free and where I can experiment. And I, it's just this retreat for me. I'll talk a little bit more about it, but um, I love the combination of both wild and yet organized and structured. It, the garden is a total reflection of me. I actually believe everyone's gardens are a total reflection of them. Um, but I'm always trying to grow as absolutely much as I can. Yes, I tend to be somewhat of a maximalist. <laughs> um, and so yeah, gardening has, has literally changed my life. There's this Virginia Woolf quote. She has this quote about writing fiction. And it's something around the lines of like, in order to write fiction, every woman needs to have a room of her own. And the way I interpreted it when I first saw it, that rang true for me was like, in order to have a full and rich life and to, to like live your passion, you need to have a place within which you can do that freely. So for me, it's the garden. Um, and it really allowed me to get back in touch with my own intuition and sort of sense of freedom. Um, and so I'll, I'll tell you the background on kind of like how we got here, but it's become very much a huge part of my identity. Um, and you know, those people that have, they have like a, like a life's theme, like, you know, people that like collect rooster decor in their home or are, you know, love horses or they just have a thing. Um, gardening is definitely mine. And when that unlocked for me, I feel like everyone around me got to know me a lot better and could really see me in the context of my values and beliefs and passions a lot more. So uh, the garden has has absolutely rebuilt my instincts, sort of rewilded my soul, gave me a backdrop for raising my kids and really myself a bit. So it has become my calling and I love it a lot. Um, I started gardening because of a comment that my husband made. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> before that, just to back up, long before that, the seed was planted by my godmother, Auntie Pammy. I talk about her a lot um, on Instagram and in my blog, but she's always had this beautiful veggie garden. And even as a tiny child, it 
must have stood out to me. She's been my idol for as long as I can remember, and something about the garden really stuck. Even as I moved away and went to college, declaring I'd never have hay in my hair or earmuffs if you have children around, shit on my shoes, literally was what I said. Uh, little did I know how untrue that would be for the rest of my life. I grew up on a three-acre hobby farm, chickens, mules, horses, a bummer lamb named Tippy, lived in the house with me as a pet, our own pigs that we harvested each year. And my parents had a small garden, but I don't, honestly don't really remember it. I used to think, I, I remember this like rocky rose garden. My mom's always grown herbs and been someone that's like snipping herbs and propagating and dabbling. I think my gar- my dad was really the gardener, but I don't remember much about it. Um, <clears throat> anyways, I used to think I fell so far from the tree. My parents are cowboys, like literally boot wearing, buckle winning, trail riding, used to be rodeo cowboys. And I just came out of the womb, like in a dress, refusing to wear anything but a dress until I was 13. I did ballet from age three to 16. I was completely uninterested in the outdoors. I would whine on hikes. All my parents wanted to do was like ride horses and be outside and work the land. And I was like inside reading books, doing ballet, drawing, not interested at all. It just unlocked (laughs) after living in Southern California and kind of having this awakening, I would say post-college where I was like, um, actually this is not for me. I want, you know, the characters that I grew up around. I want this down home feeling to life. And I kind of wanted to retreat into like a country song after being in sort of the city of Southern California and, and really living that I kind of completely went back to what had been embedded in me as a child. So the hustle sort of wore me down And I worked really hard. Work became my identity, doing many things, which is, you know, stories for another day. But as I got married and my husband and I started talking about kids, I really more and more wanted to just sort of run away to the country, like wide open spaces. I need a farm, chickens, acres, mini donkeys, garden, wraparound porch, starry skies, neighbors who bring over pies, you know, pickles in August, like the whole nine yards This very like bucolic. It's very trending right now as well, but you know, this was, I guess, maybe six or seven years ago, we started having these conversations and I'm like, I don't want to raise my kids in Southern California, specifically Orange County. But I soon realized that we weren't leaving. My husband's business is successful here. Eventually my own business became, became successful here and it just really rooted us to California. So I quickly realized we sort of needed to pivot and, um, yeah, I, I always just thought there was no way I could raise my kids here. I just didn't see it. And I don't know. And yet it felt like we weren't going to leave. So I started to feel maybe like I'm here for a reason and I just need to live the example of what I'm looking for. I need to live my life based on what it looks like to fill my life up with what matters first, leaving no room for the drama the shallow, the whose designer bag is newer and more expensive, like none of that. And so I kind of had to figure out what my big rocks were to put in the jar before I filled it up with sand and pebbles. And if you've heard that Stephen Covey analogy. Um, So after sort of this discussion, hundred thousandth discussion with my husband about moving out of state, 
especially, you know, I, I kept being like, we, you know, let's go to Texas or Colorado or Tennessee. And like, I need, I just need somewhere I can raise my kids, like in my big giant garden on these acres, we can run wild. And my husband was like, you know, <laughs> I hate to be this way, but even if you had this big, huge garden, I mean, I don't even think you'd actually garden. You know, I've kind of been someone in the historically who I'm a big dreamer and I've dabbled in some hobbies and some interests and I always have a thousand business ideas. And he was kind of holding my feet to the fire, not, not intentionally, but just like, you know, babe, come on. So <clears throat> I took that as a personal challenge and was like, I'll be darned if you question the deepest yearning of my soul. So I march myself down to Home Depot and I buy one giant like pre-made pot with six herbs and veggies in it. And I just become obsessed with caring for this pot. And, and it, it, I'm really not someone super motivated by like, I'll show you. I'm not vengeful. I'm not any, I'm not really even like I need to prove myself person. But after the challenge, that faded away. And I really was determined to figure out this gardening thing. And of course I asked the woman at Home Depot, I'm like, um, do I just leave these six plants in here? And I, I just like water it. Do I need to put them in something bigger ever? She's like, no, 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 just water them. They'll be fine like that. Yeah, no. Um, I, I call your bluff on that, ma'am. But <laughs> I end up basically killing three out of the six things. I think I was left with like tomatoes, basil, and um, chives, right? And the tomato plant is what first, sort of eluded me at the time. My father was still alive. He's passed since. And this is now uh, taking us back about four and a half years ago. And I've got this tomato plant and she's like wilty droopy. And I call my dad. I'm like, what's going on with my tomato? He's like, well, she probably needs more water, Bailey. Like plants need sun, they need water and they need good soil. That's about it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm like watering her. And then I'm like watering too much. I'm like, my plant looks kind of funky. He's like, okay. Like, let's find a balance like this. It, you know, it's playful. Test it. I'm like, okay, okay. So I bring these tomatoes to full life. I even have a picture of me holding my first two tomatoes and the pride and the joy and just watching this plant produce her fruit and just the whole thing. I never felt that disconnected from nature or where my food came from. Like I always, you know, I grew up in sort of ag country in Northern California, our neighbor's had vineyards and made wine and our best friends growing up had an apple farm and an orchard. And we were always doing farmer's market and trading for food. And like, that was accessible to me, but it's kind of like when you grow up as a kid with a dog and then you get your own dog, like you not, you don't actually have to really be responsible for it as a child. I mean, you maybe have to feed the dog and stuff like that. But like when you get your own dog, it's like your baby. And so it was the same for me with the garden where I was like, okay, this is my child tomato plant now. I have reared it. I've raised it. I've brought it full circle. And this is incredible. And even my husband who was like, this is your thing. You do. You grew up in the suburbs could taste the difference between the homegrown tomato versus the store-bought and was like, okay, okay. Well, so <clears throat> at this point, my interest in gardening is obviously huge. It's all I can talk about. I'm talking about my friends. I'm talking about online. I didn't have an Instagram presence. I didn't have a blog or a business. I was just, you know, hobby gardening. And my husband and one of my girlfriends, both, I think within 24 hours was like, you should convert this dead patch of lawn in front of your townhouse into raised beds. 
We have in California, you know, pretty much a drought all the time. And so for HOAs, for homeowners associations and, you know, communal living spaces that have outdoor components, there are water restrictions. And so we had these water restrictions and we couldn't water as much as this lawn needed, which is so common in Southern California. So kind of just had this scraggly dead giant patch of lawn that was, you know, built into like the curb. So we parked our car next to it and then had this chunk of dead lawn and then was like the door, the front door to our home. And I'm like, totally, but that's not our land. So when my girlfriend mentioned it, I was like, yes, great idea. And then when my husband mentioned it, I was like, oh wait, he, if he's bringing up this idea, that means I'm like kind of got the green light to pursue it. So I set a meeting and present to our homeowners association the concept of building some raised beds here. They were already in the process of kind of making that like a drought tolerant space. And I would not say raised bed gardening is drought tolerant necessarily, but I had a plan for that. So I came to the HOA with pictures of what I wanted to do, two wooden raised beds with, you know, these big stones all around and then stepping stone pathways. And I was going to make it a community garden. There were eight homes in our little, in our little cul-de-sac. And I was going to share the yield of all the veggies with the neighbors, as well as allow anyone that wanted space to garden, space to garden. We could kind of split it up. I mean, luckily, I guess nobody else wanted to do the gardening, but they're like, you know, sure. Let's see how it goes. They actually reimbursed me for some, they had a budget for this space. I think it was like, I don't know, (laughs) like, $150 or something. So they reimbursed me for some of it, but I took on the cost of the remainder, building the beds, filling it with soil, getting the veggies, buying the pebbles. It was really like a bigger undertaking than I realized. But, and then I, for water, drug a 100 foot expandable garden hose from our own home through, from this backyard, through our house, into the front yard to water. (laughs) And... I never had a major water accident, thank the Lord, but I ended up using our own water, which is what made it, you know, work because the water usage we had for our own home, it it, it was balanced and the HOA then didn't have to expend extra water on the project. So they said yes. And long story short, we built our raised beds, two four foot by eight eight foot beds. I just filled them with as many things as I could. One season was kind of like dabbling one of everything. The next season was a lot more of, of a few things so I could share them a lot because the sharing and delivering of these veggies to the community became so fulfilling. It, it was... I still look back on these memories. My son was, I think I started those raised beds when he was maybe seven or eight months old. And so he would come with me like on my hip, eventually walking, eventually carrying the bundles, eventually ringing the doorbell and handing them with me there, of course. And it was just so life-giving for him, for me, the people, there were people who had never, didn't know what basil was or how to use it, had never had homegrown produce, a homegrown cucumber, um, it was so cool. We'd wrap them up in these cute little paper bundles and deliver them. And it really just gave us a sense of purpose. And it was so fun. And it was really a reflection of, of my heart. And like, it was such a joy for me. I actually miss doing that a lot. And this season, my goal will be to share a lot more. But um, I started sharing this whole process on Instagram, like you do. And 
became incidentally once 2020 hit an influencer, a gardening influencer, which I is, I know, cringe, cringe, but that's the truth of the matter. Once I had, um, a couple thousand followers, I had a, an all natural organic fish emulsion based fertilizer company reach out with my first sponsorship. And it really gave me this, you know, it was the next sort of level of, okay, now this is sort of business meets passion and fueled something in me that was exceptional. You know, at, at one point, yet again, sort of wisdom from the husband, he was kind of like, what do you, you know, we, I guess, backtrack a little. I start this garden, these raised beds, the HOA, the townhouse. This is the beginning of my actual gardening experience. But then we move, we buy a home, we move about 30 minutes south, we get the big the big house, you know, not the starter home. We're now in the family home. And we have this gorgeous side yard that's just a big lump of soil covered in mulch. Later find out it's actually was a dumping ground for construction debris. It's just a bunch of like road bed and, and clay soil. And that another story for another day. Luckily, this is a podcast, so we've got so much to look forward to. But <clears throat> um 2020 is when we bought this house. My gardening, I had been sharing about gardening for about a year. Ended up sort of transferring my personal Instagram into this like gardening Instagram account. And as we moved, people saw me progress from having these two raised beds to having more space and becoming a more serious gardener. Where now, because we're in Southern California, I really garden. I would say it's really kind of like three seasons. We get like spring, summer, fall and then winter. I don't know. I end up doing around three, three rounds of planting, kind of planting all the time. Um, continually doing a ton of research and pouring myself into this. And it just became my life. And we move into this home. It's 2020. Everyone's on lockdown, wanting to start gardens, like the apocalypse is coming. And I'm already, you know, they say luck is what is it like preparedness meets good timing. And that's what it was. So now people are kind of watching me start a new garden from scratch and loving it and having actual, you know, tips and insights to share. And at the time I was, uh, I had my second child and was sort of figuring out what I was going to do. I had a different business doing something entirely different. Other clients ended up working full time for a client, balancing kids, my gardening passion, side hustle. And at one point my husband's like, you know, what do you, want to do with your life? Like (laughs) I'm trying to decide next steps, sort of, do I want to work? Do I want to stay home? How do I want to contribute to the family? Other than I very much believe as a wife and mother, like that is enough. Like you are contributing, you're running the show, you're the CEO, you're a homemaker, even if you work full time away, like, you know, but I was like, you know, I want, I very much love being cerebral. I love creating. I feel called. I felt very called to share this gardening journey and I have big goals and ambitions. So I wanted to lean into that. Um, and so when he kind of posed the question, like, not just like, what do you want to do with your life? But like, how do you want to spend your time? If you could decide how you spend the time in each and every one of your day, because really that's what we're doing when we're going to work is we are trading the minutes of our lives for dollars. And then we decide how we spend those dollars. We decide how we spend the time. We get to choose it. And a huge value for myself and my husband and and essentially, I guess, our family is freedom. 
and sort of self-reliance, not so much like in a pioneer sense, but self-reliance in terms of like you, you get to create your reality in your life. And so maintaining the freedom to really lean into that and do so is your responsibility. And so I told him, I just want to garden and like hang out with my kids. And so I built a life around that. And I think an additional layer to that is I always want to be infusing magic into our lives. And for me, that comes from the little things, the natural things, the seasonal things, like the glory and the joy and the absolute awe that like, I don't know, I would say like a flowering branch on an apple tree that you bring inside, like these little treasures of life that are utterly free, entirely just naturally occurring. Those are the things like, those are the things I I believe my parents, my community, my upbringing installed in me that I like about myself, that I like about the world that enchants me about others. I want to infuse our lives with that very intentionally, especially for my kids. And I realized I didn't need the farm. I didn't need three acres with a creek in the back like I had as a kid, which my goodness, I had no idea how lucky I was. But I don't need those things to create the values and the life that I want for my kids and for my family. I get to choose. And so I have. And from there, um, I started a different business. It's called the Kitchen Garden Society. You'll hear a lot more about it, but it is a monthly gardening subscription. It's a website that you join as a member. And uh, it all was birthed from my own sort of struggles and desires where I was gardening in sort of a unique zone. And most gardening books and resources are really designed for sort of the average like Midwest seasons where you have like a, a winter with frost, a spring that's cold, a summer that's warm. Like we don't have that. So I was always just like looking for really specific information because believe it or not, each of our climates really dictate how we can garden, how we can maximize. And uh, the more I got into gardening, the more I found out, you know, knowing your U.S. hardiness zone is important, leaning into that. So I started the Kitchen Garden Society. I started this membership so that each month you get to know what you specifically in your area should be harvesting, sowing, transplanting, you know, tasks you should be doing, um, tending you should be doing in the garden, garden and then using your harvests in recipes, um, daily tips for how to kind of do what, what I do, which is not do what I do, but just sort of that principle of living a garden inspired life, bringing the outdoors in daily tips for what you should be doing in the garden, you know, things you can do with your family, ways to celebrate the seasons and traditions that are in this present time and month and season we have right here. And then I've got guest experts coming in. We've got gardening lessons that are timely it was basically, I just wanted this little house, this little hub, like a greenhouse for everybody to like come to and convene and learn and share. We've got a private Facebook group, but it's just been a beautiful thing. So I started the Kitchen Garden Society and um, kind of lands us where we are now. I started that in 2020 as well, but um, really feeling now at first I was sort of on this mission to be like, you can be gardeny and like farmy and down down homey and also like live in the burbs and go to target. And now I feel like much more on a mission to make gardening an American pastime, or at least convert more people to folding gardening into their everyday lives, 
when I study other countries and other gardeners around the world, you know, in the UK, um, and, you know, just England and Scotland and even over in Asia, there's this sense of Japan, there's a sense of cultivating the land and respect for plants and everybody dabbles. And I don't feel like that happens as much here. There aren't as many like common shows and books and, and, you know, radio shows. It, it's becoming so, but it really started feeling like on this mission to, to make gardening a part of our culture in a really enriching way. So, so here we are. So here we are with the garden culture podcast. Um, I'm so looking forward to being in this space, sharing stories, each, um, interviewing fascinating people who are not full-time, you know, horticulturists necessarily, but garden as a big part of their lives. And then what they do with the rest of their lives and the meaning they have there and sort of how it's all intertwined. So, um, we'll have those beautiful interviews and then we'll be talking about, you know, being seasonal in the garden, what we're doing, what we're tackling, how to make the most of it, all of that. So a little bit about me. I'm excited to be here. I hope to get you, get to know all of you listeners. I would love to hear as we go reviews and feedback and you can find me outside of this podcast land at my website, which is baileyvantassel.com, B-A-I-L-E-Y. V-A-N-T-A-S-S-E-L.com. Or you can get information on the Kitchen Garden Society if that piqued your interest at the Kitchen Garden Society.com. So I will be here every week. I'm so excited about it. Thank you for holding this space. I'm so grateful for you. And as always, happy gardening. I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts, and I am so grateful that you found this space. For more information or any techniques, ideas mentioned here, visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast.